this very special episode of Inside Four Walls to my FBI guy. Hey, thanks for listening and following everything I do. Now he gives as good of an eye on me as you. And Mr. NSA. We will be talking about Tucker Carlson's claims and an interesting little thread brought to my attention by a certain Timothy Poole. Let's get right into it. So, instead of reading you an article talking about Tucker Carlson saying he's being spied on, how about we take it from the horse's mouth himself? Now, I must admit to some level of bias here, I do enjoy Tucker Carlson tonight. I don't always agree with him on many topics, but as far as modern-day journalism and political commentary go, I think he's at least A rank. Not quite S, but he's definitely an A plus rank. Now, I typed in this story, and a million and one other articles came up. And they're all like, oh, Tucker Carlson lies about being spied on. Tucker Carlson lies to cover up potential devastating, scandalous material. Assumption, assumption, assumption. Posturing, posturing, posturing. Projection, projection, projection. Same in, same out. A bunch of people not related to the story or having any insult on the story. Commenting on a story that they know nothing fucking about other than what Tucker Carlson said on fucking Monday. Well, I will be playing you roughly a four and a half minute clip from one episode of Tucker Carlson tonight. Specifically, the episode from last Monday. Now, again, this is about four and a half minutes long. You'll be blessed with not hearing my voice for about four and a half minutes. That being said, let's play the audio. So Joe Biden told us recently that the single gravest terror threat we face is not Islamic terrorism, ISIS, or Al-Qaeda, as the government has told us for 20 years now, since 2001. It's not the brutal mobs of race extremists who burned and looted our cities last summer, BLM and Antifa, as if you'd been paying attention, you would assume it would be. Of course, they're the ones who burned the cities. No, it's none of that. The main threat we face as a nation, Biden told us, is white supremacy, white American terrorists. And our law enforcement and intelligence agencies have concluded that. The president said it's an established fact. And then he stopped. Strangely, that's all that Biden told us. He never said who those white supremacists were. He didn't explain what they believe or what they plan to do to America. He announced no arrests of any of them. He didn't name a single person or organization. So who is the white Osama bin Laden? Joe Biden didn't say. Neither did his attorney general, Merrick Garland, when he reiterated Biden's claim several days later. So the rest of us were left to wonder, who exactly are these domestic terrorists? We still don't know the answer, and neither do many longtime FBI agents, as we learned this weekend when we spoke to a couple of them. Biden's claim is absurd, they told us. It's not even close to true. In recent years, there have been so few crimes committed by avowed white supremacists that the FBI strongly considered dismantling the office within the domestic terror division that investigates white supremacist groups. As the agents we spoke to put it, the number of cases the program manager had didn't justify his position. There was nothing for him to do. For decades, by contrast, the greatest domestic terror threat has come from radical environmental groups. They commit the most crimes. Look it up. White supremacists, meanwhile, are at the bottom of that list. And federal statistics prove it. Americans are, in fact, much more likely to die from a lightning strike than at the hands of a white supremacist. White supremacy may be ugly. Many opinions are. 
but it is not a meaningful threat to the nation, and claiming otherwise is a lie. So why does the Biden administration persist in telling that lie? Well, it's a racial attack, obviously. It's waged for partisan political purposes. You tell black voters that Republicans are the KKK, and maybe they will keep voting for you. That's the idea. It's really easier than fixing Chicago or raising test scores, which they should be doing. But there's also a deeper significance. The Biden administration is signaling a very real change to actual federal policy. The war on terror, now ongoing for 20 years, has pivoted in its aims. The war on terror is now being waged against American citizens, opponents of the regime. We saw this on display on January 6th. We told you a couple of weeks ago, based on language in publicly available indictments, that the FBI clearly had foreknowledge of the riot at the Capitol that day. And the agents we spoke to this weekend confirmed that is true. Quote, the FBI had sources in that crowd, confidential sources, snitches. That's 100% certain. But it's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third-world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that. This morning we filed a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, asking for all information that the NSA and other agencies have gathered about this show. We did it mostly as a formality. We've also contacted the press office at both NSA and the FBI. We don't expect to hear much back. That's the way that usually goes. Only Congress can force transparency on the intelligence agencies, and they should do that immediately. Spying on opposition journalists is incompatible with democracy. If they are doing it to us, and again, they are definitely doing it to us, they are almost certainly doing it to others. This is scary, and we need to stop it right away. Now I shall read to you the NSA's official response to Tucker Carlson's outright lies. I mean, how dare he he blasphemize such a upstanding, honest, patriotic government agency such as the NSA. I mean, Snowden what? Glenn Greenwald who? Anyway, here's the official response from the NSA. On June 28th of 2021, Tucker Carlson alleged that the National Security Agency has been, quote, monitoring our electronics, communications, and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air, end quote. This allegation is untrue. Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency, and the NSA has never had any plans to try to take this program off the air. 
The NSA has a foreign intelligence mission. We target foreign powers to generate insights on foreign activities that could harm the United States. With limited exceptions, e.g. an emergency, the NSA may not target a U.S. citizen without a court order that explicitly authorizes targeting. Now, as you see here, Tucker clearly is the liar and the NSA is an upstanding organization. God, they're so full of shit, aren't they? Really, NSA, you want to stick to that story? That you've know that you don't spy on your American citizens. Never. You would never. Now, Tucker Carlson said there was a whistleblower who reached out to him. Now, like a good journalist, he didn't burn his source. I have a theory. Well, Tim has a theory that I like. So, let's check this one out. From Bloomberg. Yes, Mike Bloomberg. The guy who spent billions and billions and billions and billions into a political campaign that just fucking burned up. Now, from Bloomberg News, top Pentagon cyber official probed over disclosure concerns. Uh-oh. 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 From June 29th of 2021, Katie Arrington has had her security clearance suspended. Arrington has led cybersecurity initiatives for contractors. Those are the two bullet points at the top of Bloomberg articles. They do the Daily Wire, not the Daily Wire, uh, they do the Daily Mail thing where they have like the bullet point list at the top of the article. Now to the article. Ooh. Eh, I mean, for an older lady, she's decently good looking. As you, you can tell where my mindset is. <clears throat> Into the article. The Pentagon official who has been overseeing its new cybersecurity initiative for defense contractors has been placed on leave in connection with a suspected unauthorized disclosure of classified information from a military intelligence agency according to an official document. Katie Arlington, Chief Information Security Officer for the Pentagon's Acquisition and Sustainment Office Ooh was informed on May 11th that, quote, her security clearance for access to classified information is being suspended. Quote, as a result, as, as a result of reported unauthorized disclosure of classified information and subsequent removal of access by the National Security Agency. <clears throat> Sorry. I had a weird onset of hiccup, weirdly enough. It seems to have passed. <laughs> According to a memo made available to Bloomberg News, the National Security Agency, the NSA, which is part of the Defense Department, again, very trustworthy. No inside jobs done by those upstanding folks, right? September what? Anyway... The Defense Department gathers some of the nation's most sensitive signals and eavesdropping intelligence from foreign adversaries and domestic, <clears throat> mostly via satellite. Quote, if this preliminary decision becomes final, you will not be eligible for access to classified information or assignments to duties. 
that have been designated national security sensitive. End quote. The memo from the office of the from the office of the Under Secretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment said What a fucking name. The memo to Arrington provides no details about the possible disclosure of information. The Pentagon acquisition spokesperson Jessica Maxwell I assume she's just as shitty as her coffee's namesake. And if you like Maxwell House Coffee, you're a fucking retard. Anyway, Maxwell said the department can't comment on any questions about Arrington's status. Quote, no decision. No decisions. Quote, absolutely no decisions have been reached regarding any aspect, Arrington's attorney said. Mark Zaid said in an email. He confirmed the content of the memo, saying that, quote, when faced with such programmatic allegations, the DOD would routinely open an investigation as a matter of course. This is how the system works. Accepting an investigation, however, doesn't prejudge the merits. End quote. Arrington is on administrative leave during the, quote, preliminary investigation, the, quote, specific details of which have not been made, no made it known to us, Zaid said. Quote, she has neither been fired nor had her security clearance revoked, he said. Quote, we look forward to an opportunity to completely clear her name and return to work. Arrington is the former two-term Republican state representative from South Carolina who ran an unsuccessful campaign for Congress in 2018 that emphasized her private sector security experience. She was brought into the Pentagon in 2019 under the category of, quote, highly qualified expert, end quote, and later competed for an... A, competed... For and attained the nonpartisan senator exclusive service status, Zaid said. <laughs> Her official Pentagon biography says she has more than 15 years of cyber experience, quote, through positions at Bose Allen Hamilton, Centura Corporation, and Dispersive Networks. These positions have given her a unique experience of supporting and work with the government at large, small and non-traditional contracting firms. A U.S. official familiar with the case said Arrington's politics as a Republican under a Democratic president aren't a factor in the investigation, and it's not an attempt to force her from the Pentagon. Of course it isn't. Major air quotations on that one. The official who discussed the case on condition of anonymity. 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 Nah, that's like the Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce of words right there. Anonymity. 
because of its sensitivity. Also said that disclosure, uh, disclosure investigation isn't connected to Arrington's management of the Pentagon's ambitious cybersecurity <coughs> maturity model certification system. That is a cybersecurity maturity model certification system, or CMMC, which is being slowly implemented as Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks reviews the program inherited from the Trump administration. So the beginning of this next chapter is cybersecurity certification. I'm going to bet that we're going to hear a lot more going forward about her ties to Trump. You might hear the word Trumpism, Trumpist, Trump supporter, uh, any number of things going forward. Because I'm starting to notice they're talking more and more about her politics now that they've gotten through the whole, you know, she's accused of leaking information. So now we're going to harp on to her political experience. You'll see this a lot in Bloomberg articles specifically, where they'll be like, here's, they'll start off pretty strong. Like, Here's what they're accused of. Here's their experience in this field. And Facebook is going to bash the shit out of them because Trump bad and I, Mike Bloomberg, got my ass handed to me pretty unequivocally running for president in 2020. So continue onward. Cybersecurity certification. In 2019, Arnton took over implementing the program and attempting to build industry support for its complex certification process. She quickly emerged as a skillful ambassador, speaking at dozens of events to sell the program to the defense industry, according to Bloomberg government analysis Chris Cornelli, Cornelli? Cornelli, who has studied the program. Under the certification program, every company in the defense supply chain, as many as 300,000 American companies producing everything from F-35 fighter jets to computer microprocessors to office supplies and plumbing equipment, must undergo a cybersecurity audit performed by a third party about every three years, overseen by... board. Cornelli said, it's proceeding at a halting pace. It's proceeding at a halting pace. What is an oxymoron? It is proceeding at a halting pace. Oh, let me hell up on that. Back to the article. The proposed program, quote, sets the standard for our defense industrial base and must be the first step in establishing a framework of safeguards and quote for industry senator joe manchin the savior joe manchin said in an email the west virginia democrat who's chairman of the senate armed service committee cyber panel said during a may 19th hearing that hicks quote will be making significant modifications to the certification process. That is the end of this article. 
Now, is there any way to confirm that this dear sweet woman is the leaker? No, but it is interesting that less than 20 days before Tucker goes on TV and spends the last seven days talking about the NSA spying, this woman's fired for leaking sensitive information. Or not fired. She has her, her, her level of clearance stripped. Just a little, a little sussy-wussy, you know? Anyway, now, that thing about the NSA being this upstanding, truthful organization, let me just start off with this. Six whopping government misstatements about the NSA spying practices from Wired. I'm all over the place today, baby. I started with Fox, now I'm on Wired. What son am I batting for? Good luck figuring that out. <clears throat> Whistleblower Edward Snowden's leaks about the NSA spying have set off a fierce global debate about security and privacy in the Internet age. <laughs> the revelations of the United States performing mass surveillance on an international scale have also unleashed an avalanche of government misstatements aimed at defending or even denying the NSA's dragnet surveillance. We've gone through we've gone through them and picked out some of the biggest whoppers. And this is a photo of Jacqueline Martin. Senator Diane Feinstein, a Democrat from California. Oh, is that oh, okay, so the person who took the photo is Jacqueline Martin. Jacqueline Martin, you caught Feinstein at her ugliest. Applaud. Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat from California and chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, is among many government officials utter, uttering misstatements about in the wake, sorry, of the Edward Snowden NSA leaks. Man, she looks rough in that. She looks like she hasn't slept in like 40 hours. Got the bags under her eyes. And then again, when doesn't Feinstein have bags under her eyes? Into the article. Whistleblower Edward Snowden's leaks about the NSA spine have set off a fierce global debate about the security and privacy privacy in the internet age. The revelations of the United States performing mass surveillance on an international scale have also unleashed an avalanche of government misstatements aimed at defending or even denying the NSA's dragnet surveillance. We've gone through gone through them and picked some picked out some of the biggest whoppers quote NSA takes significant care to prevent any abuses Ooh. and that there is a substantial oversight committee system in place Senator Diane Feinstein said August 23rd the statement was clearly contradicted to, uh, Tuesday by James Clapper, director of the National Intelligence. Clapper said that the reasons why the NSA illegally accessed phone calls, phone call metadata on thousands of targets was because the NSA was unable to conduct any oversight itself. Quote, the compliance incidents discussed in these documents stemmed in large part from the complexity of the technology employed in connection with the bulk telephonic metadata collection program. <laughs> Interaction of that technology 
with other NSA systems and a lack of shared understanding among various NSA components and how certain aspects of the complex architecture supporting the program functioned. Clapper said in a blog post, NSA chief Keith Alexander was either speaking untruth or was delusional when he gave a June 25th speech to his spy network. Quote, the ongoing national dialogue is not about your performance, the NSA or the CSS workforce. Ugh, pardon me has executed its national security responsibility with equal and full respect for civilian liberties and privacies. A 2009 order by a secret court known as the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, FISC, disclassified Tuesday, said that, quote, since the earliest days of the NSA phone call spying program's 2006 inception, the agency has carried out thousands of inquiries on phone numbers without any court-ordered screening, <coughs> screening designed to protect Americans from illegal government surveillance. Attorney General Eric Holder, that's a name I have not heard in a few moons, Eric Holder, wow, must not have remembered or let me just restart that part attorney general eric holder must not have remembered or been familiar with that order when speaking june 15th to a us european union <clears throat> ministerial meeting in dublin ireland quote the government cannot target anyone under a court approved procedures for this program Unless there is an appropriate and documented foreign intelligence purpose for the acquisition, such as for the prevention of terrorism, hostile cyber activities, or nuclear proliferations, he said. Uh, yeah, uh, before I continue, let me just pick something out of this real quick. Quote, the government cannot target anyone under the court-approved procedures. It doesn't fucking matter when you ignore those. And we all know the NSA lied about spy not spying on its own citizens. We, here in the year 2020, we cannot act like 2013 Edward Snowden didn't happen. We know the NSA is lying at this point. Huh. <sighs> Such as the prevention of terrorism. Yeah, that's the Patriot Act, isn't it? In that one quote, you're referring to the Patriot Act. Something a lot of Republicans support until they realize, oh wait, Bush is a fucking swamp creature. Back to the article. President Barack Obama, too, has said everything was hunky-dory and that the spy powers were not abused. Quote, now, part of the reason they're not abused is because there's these checks are... Okay. <laughs> okay, quote, Now, part of these reasons they're not abused is because there's these checks are in place. And, these, and those abuses would be against the law and would be against the order of the FISC. 
The president said August 9th. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A key function of the FISC is to ensure the NSA's activities target communications of those, quote, reasonably believed to be located outside the United States, end quote. The surveillance must also be designed to prevent, quote, to prevent the international acquisition of any communication as to which the sender and all intended recipients are known at the time of the acquisition to be located in the United States. All while, in 2011, the FIC opinion the gov- opinioned the government declassified August 2001. The court said the NSA misrepresented the reach of its, quote, upstream <coughs> internet surveillance, where it has taped, where it has tapped into the internet to vacuum up electronic communications as they travel through the internet's backbone. Quote, Indeed, the record before this court establishes that the NSA's acquisition of internet transactions likely result in the NSA acquiring annually tens of thousands of wholly domestic communications and tens of thousands of non-targeted communications of persons who have little or no relationship to the target but who are protected under the Fourth Amendment according to the US according to the 2011 opinion and there's a link here to the PDF on Wired House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi of California said at a June 6 press conference however the NSA's actions were lawful quote the administration is obeying the law but the fact is we went more we want more oversight this just shows this bitch has been a bitch since long before Trump got in office. Lying, wrinkly, E.T.-looking cunt. Saggy-ass titties having married into billions-looking ass. Tell me she doesn't. Tell me real quick that Nancy Pelosi does not look like that scene, like E.T. in that one scene. When Gertie dresses her dresses E.T. up and she's like the wig and shit on. That looks just like Nancy Pelosi. The same way Mr. Ed looks like AOC. Anyway, back to the article. Perhaps the biggest lie to date came three months before Snowden's leaks. Consider this exchange between Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, and Clapper during a March 12th Senate Intelligence Committee hearing. Wyden, quote, and now we're gonna do some uh, we're gonna do some role playing here, kids. Wyden quote begins. So what I wanted to see is if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question: Does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? Clapper, quote, no, sir. Wyden. It does not? Clapper. Not willingly, sir. Not wittingly, sir. There are cases where they could. 
inadvertently, perhaps, collect, but not wittingly. Reporter's note. Government officials have uttered pl plenty... Wait, let me restart that. The reporter's notes. Government officials have utterly plenty of other untruths in the wake of Snowden's relations. In the comments section, cite us your favorite ones. Oh, oh. Fuck off. Wait, that's where it ends? I, I hate how some of these places just don't have like a clear-cut ending to them. They just sort of stop. Sort of annoys me. Anyway. That part doesn't matter anymore. Now, again, we are back on Slate. This is another little fun NSA thing that happened. Something a lot of people forgot about. But I, I you know, truth be told, I also forgot about it. But Sticks Hex and Hammer brought it up. Also, subscribe to Sticks Hex and Hammer 666. Dudes fucking great. Also, he's totally Razor Fist. If you're sitting back wondering, is Sticks, Hex, and Hammer Razor Fist? The answer is fucking duh. Fucking no. He's not Razor Fist, and he lives in Europe somewhere. You fucks. Anyway, how the NSA spies abused their powers to snoop on girlfriends, lovers, and first dates by Ryan Gallagher from Slate. Again, I'm driven all over the place. I have a Republican source, I have a Democrat source, I have an independent source, now I'm on Slate. Uh, it begins... Oh, wait, who is this by? Again, Ryan Gallagher. This was published September 27th of 2013. Taking you back. What we do here is go back, 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 back. I'm like the political content cop. Ugh. The article begins, the role of the National Security Agency is supposed to be to root out terrorists, but it turns out that the agency spies have repeatedly abused their surveillance powers to secretly eavesdrop on the conversations of their love interests. <laughs> you ever just been so paranoid your partner's untrustworthy that instead of confronting them or breaking up, you use the entirety of the government's spying capability to just find out uh, they think your dick's big enough. Uh, to be in these positions of power must be a blessing sometimes. Back to the article. Late Thursday, details about the illegal snooping were, were released for the first time in a letter sent by the NSA's Inspector General to Senator Charles Grassley, a Republican from Iowa. Again, that's another name I haven't heard in forever. Wow. Grassley had asked for details about the international NSA's abuse of its authority following the government's official acknowledgement in August that there had been, quote, a couple of willing, of willful violations in the past decade. It was previously reported that some of these cases involved snooping on partners or spouses known internally as Lovent. It's spelled L-O-V-E-I-N-T. Lovent. For Love Intelligence. Oh, even the acronyms. The letter sent to Grassley reveals that there have been at least 12 recorded cases of spies abusing their power since 2003, with several of these cases involving Lovent. 
In 2011, one of the NSA's employees working at an overseas base spied on the phone calls of her foreign boyfriend and other foreigners she had met. She had met socially because she wanted to find out if they were, quote, shady characters. Man, you give one woman the ability to spy on somebody and she spies on everyone she's ever met. What a fucking woman. <laughs> uh, with several of these cases involving Lovin. In 2011, one NSA employee working... Oh, wait. Oops, I backtracked. Make sure there weren't shady characters. In 2004, an NSA spy monitored the calls from a foreign number she found in her husband's cell phone because she suspected he had been unfaithful. In 2013... Yay. If you have an ex who works in the government now, careful. Careful. You might get McAfee'd. You might get McAfee'd. Look, let's just start using McAfee'd instead of Epstein. McAfee'd's so much better. Anyway, just I'm just going to reread this part over. In 2004, an NSA spy monitored the calls of a foreign number... She found in her husband's cell phone because she suspected he had been unfaithful. There was no reason to spy on this person other than there was a miscellaneous number she didn't know. And she had the power to spy on that fucking number. Terrifying. In 2003, an NSA employee was internationally investigated after a woman with whom he had a sexual relationship with reported him to the government because she suspected he was monitoring her calls. An investigation revealed that over a period of five years, the employee had unlawfully monitored nine phone numbers associated with female foreign nationals. In each of these three cases, there was no prosecution or disciplinary action taken because the NSA staff involved in the abuse resigned. Oh, okay. I'm a firefighter who's tired of sitting around not doing anything, so I go set a house on fire. And I do this repeatedly over the course of 15 years, right? I burn down multiple houses just so just so I can go out there and put out the fire. They link it back to me, but since I resigned from the force a few months prior, I'm no longer in trouble for being an arsonist. Right. Right. Just because I'm no longer part of the NSA, you can't arrest me for illegally spying on people. <laughs> it's gotta be nice to be part of the government, right? Wow, what a... Not even a slap on the wrist. Still don't even get your name mentioned in an article. And we find out that you fucking get laid. We find out not only do you get laid, but you spy on this bitch and like none of their foreign women that you've probably had sexual interactions with, and you get away with it. Even though we know you did it. God, this gotta be nice. It's like if a cop broke into a house and robbed a drug dealer and got away with it because he resigned like the next day with all of his cocaine in his pockets. At least, this is back to the article by the way, at least six other familiar Lovent cases were recorded by the NSA. One spy entered six email addresses used 
by an American ex-girlfriend into a surveillance system on the first day he gained access to it. So you mean this motherfucker gets a promotion where he gets access to these systems and his number one thought is, what's my ex up to? Jesus, man, you have a dick or vagina between your legs. With all that kind of power, you want to know what the thing you should put your dick in is up to. Pathetic. I'm thinking right now, do I have any ex-partners I would be interested in? No. I'm ten times happier not thinking about those past hoes. Anyway. Used by an American ex-girlfriend into a surveillance system on the first day he gained access to it. He later claimed he had done so because he, quote, wanted to practice how to use the snooping technology. Another NSA spy monitored the phone calls of his foreign girlfriend for a month, claiming that he wanted to discover whether she was involved in any local government officials or any other activity that might get him in trouble. Right. How does that work out? Here you are in trouble, but you're probably not going to get in trouble, so... Oh, I hate my phone fucking falling asleep on me like that. Okay. Local government officials and activity in my control. The worst punishment that was handed out in any of these cases was a reduction in pay for two months, a reduction in grade, and access to classified information being revoked. One Lovent case was referred to the Justice Department in 2011, but he declined to prosecute. The Inspector General's letter says that two, pardon me, two investigations are currently ongoing into alleged misuse of NSA spy systems. What a creative name, NSA spy system. They're not spying on you. They just have a system called the spy system. Anyway, back to the article. And one allegation is being reviewed for possible investigation. Notably, several of the violations were only identified after spies with guilty consciences came clean or failed a lie detector test. It seems highly likely that many similar incidents slip under the radar, particularly given the sheer scale of the NSA's surveillance operations. The agency reported <coughs> reportedly intercepts a mammoth 1.7 billion communications every day. None of them are... are uh, I'm not going to make a joke about none of them being us. This article clearly ref says that they... Well, the NSA in this article says, oh, well, we inadvertently get American messages. But it's just the metadata, which we know in hindsight to be a fucking lie. You know? Anyway... 1.7 billion communications every day and it's and it is surely difficult if not impossible to keep tabs on every single one of these either way the release of information about the known lovent cases is in and of itself significant it confirms beyond a doubt that the NSA chief glenn keith or uh NSA chief general keith alexander whether due to incompetence or complicity, made a false statement when he claimed in August that no one, quote, no one 
has willfully or knowingly disobeyed the law or tried to invade your civil liberties or privacies. End quote. Alexander has now changed his tune in light of recent disclosures, telling the Senate Intelligence Committee on, Tuesday, on Thursday, quote, There have been only 12 sustained cases of willful violations over 10 years, essentially one per year. Because, you know, one isn't one too many. And these are only the cases that have been brought to light. And note, this article is from... September 27th, 2013, and I'm not fucking done yet. It goes on and on and on. Now, Edward Snowden. This article is from The Guardian. Now let me just play you this audio real quick. Ed Snowden. I'm uh, 29 years old. I work for Booz Allen Hamilton as an infrastructure analyst for NSA uh, in Hawaii. What are some of the positions that you held previously within the intelligence community? Uh, I've been uh, a systems engineer, systems administrator, uh, senior advisor uh, for the uh, Central Intelligence Agency Solutions Consultant and a uh, Telecommunications Information Systems Officer. One of the things people are going to be most interested in in, in, in trying to understand what, who you are and, and what you're thinking is there came some point in time when you crossed this line of thinking about being a whistleblower um, to making the choice to actually become a whistleblower Walk people through that decision-making process. Uh, when you're in positions of, of privileged access, like a, a systems administrator for these sort of intelligence community agencies, you're exposed to a lot more information on a broader scale than the average employee. And because of that, you see things that uh, may be disturbing. But uh, over the course of a normal person's career, you'd only see one or two of these instances. Uh, when you see everything, you see them on a more frequent basis, and you recognize that some of these things are actually abuses. And when you talk to people about them, uh, in a place like this, where this is the, the normal state of business, people tend not to take them very seriously and you know move on from them. But over time, that awareness of wrongdoing sort of builds up, and you feel compelled to talk about it. And the more you talk about it, the more you're ignored, the more you're told it's not a problem until eventually you realize that uh, these things need to be determined by the public, not by somebody who was simply hired by the government. Talk a little bit about how the American surveillance state actually functions. It are, does it target the actions of Americans? Uh, NSA, and the intelligence community in general, uh, is focused on getting intelligence wherever it can, by any means possible, that it believes on the grounds of sort of a self-certification that they serve the national interest. Uh, originally, we saw that uh, focus very narrowly tailored as foreign intelligence uh, gathered overseas. Now, increasingly, we see that it's happening domestically. And to do that, they, uh, the NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. It ingests them by default. It collects them in its system, and it filters them, and it analyzes them, and it measures them, and it stores them 
for periods of time simply because that's the easiest, most efficient, and most valuable way to achieve these ends. So while they may uh, be intending to uh, target someone associated with a foreign government or someone that they suspect of terrorism, they're collecting your communications to do so. Uh, any analyst at any time can target anyone, uh, any selector anywhere. Where those uh, communications will be picked up depends on the range of the sensor networks and the authorities that that analyst is uh, empowered with. Not all analysts have the ability to target everything, but I, sitting at my desk, uh, certainly had the authorities to, to wiretap anyone from you or your accountant to a federal judge to even the president if I had a personal email. One of the extraordinary parts about this episode is that usually whistleblowers do what they do anonymously and take steps to remain anonymous for as long as they can, which they hope often is forever. You, on the other hand, have decided to do the opposite, which is to declare yourself openly as the person behind these disclosures. Why did you choose to do that? I, I think that the public is owed an explanation of the motivations behind the people who make these disclosures that are outside of the democratic model. When you are subverting the power of government, that, that's a fundamentally dangerous thing to democracy. And if you do that in secret, consistently, you know, as the government does uh, when it wants to benefit from a secret action that it took, uh, it'll kind of give its, its officials a mandate to go, hey, you know, tell the press about this thing and that thing so the public is on our side. But they rarely, if ever, do that when an abuse occurs. That falls to uh, individual citizens, but they're typically maligned. You know, it, it becomes a thing of these people are against the country, they're against the government, but I'm not. I'm, I'm no different from anybody else. Uh, I don't have special skills. Uh, I'm just another guy who sits there day to day in the office, watches what happening, what's happening, and goes, this is something that's not our place to decide. The public needs to decide whether these programs and policies are right or wrong. And I'm willing to go on the record to defend the authenticity of them and say, I didn't change these. I didn't modify the story. This is the truth. This is what's happening. You should decide whether we need to be doing this. Have you given thought to what it is that the U.S. government's response to your conduct is in terms of what they might say about you, how they might try to depict you, what they might try to do to you? Uh, yeah, I, I could be, you know, rendered by the CIA. I, I could have uh, people come after me or any of their, their third-party partners. Uh, you know, they, they work closely with a number of other nations. Uh, or, you know, they, they could pay off the triads or, you know, any, any if their agents or assets. Uh, We've, we've got a CIA station just up the road in the, the, the consulate here in Hong Kong, and I'm sure they're going to be uh, very busy for the next week. Um, and that's, that's a, a fear I'll live under for the rest of my life, however long that happens to be. You, you can't come forward against the world's most powerful intelligence agencies and uh, be completely free from risk because they're such powerful adversaries that, that no one can meaningfully oppose them. Um, if they want to get you, they'll get you in time. But at the same time, you have to make a determination about what it is that's important to you. And if living, uh, living unfreely but comfortably is something you're willing to accept, and I think many of us are, it's, it's the human nature, uh, you can get up every day, you can go to work, you can collect your, your large paycheck for relatively little work. Uh, against the public interest and, and go to sleep at night after watching uh, your shows. But if you realize that that's the world that you helped create, 
And it's going to get worse with the next generation and the next generation who extend the capabilities of this sort of architecture of oppression. Uh, you realize that you might be willing to accept any risk. And it doesn't matter what the outcome is so long as the public gets to make their own decisions about how that's applied. Why should people care about surveillance? Because even if you're not doing anything wrong, you're being watched and recorded. And the, the storage capability of these systems increases every year consistently by orders of magnitude uh, to where it's getting to the point you don't have to have done anything wrong. You simply have to eventually fall under suspicion from somebody, even by a wrong call. And then they can use the system to go back in time and scrutinize every decision you've ever made, every friend you've ever discussed something with, and attack you on that basis to sort of derive suspicion from an innocent life and paint anyone in the context of a wrongdoer. We are currently sitting in a room in, in Hong Kong, which is where we are because you traveled here. Talk a little bit about why it is that you came here, and specifically there are going to be people who will speculate um, that what you really intend to do is to defect to the country that many see as the number one rival of the United States, which is China, and that what you're really doing is essentially seeking to aid an enemy of the United States with which you intend to um, seek asylum. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So there, there's a couple uh, assertions in, in those arguments. Um, that are, that are sort of embedded in the, the questioning of the choice of Hong Kong. Uh, the first is that China is an enemy of the United States. It, it's not. I mean, there, there are conflicts between the United States government and the Chinese uh, PRC government, but the, the peoples inherently, you know, we, we don't care. We trade with each other freely. You know, we're not at war. We're not uh, in armed conflict, and we're not trying to be. We're, we're the largest trading partners out there for each other. Um, uh, additionally, Hong Kong uh, has a strong tradition of free speech. Uh, people think, oh, China, great firewall. Mainland China does have significant restrictions uh, on free speech, but uh, the Hong Kong, the people of Hong Kong uh, have a long tradition of protesting in the streets, of uh, making their views known. The Internet is not filtered here, um, no more so than any other Western government. And I believe that the uh, Hong Kong government is actually independent uh, in relation to a lot of other leading Western governments. If your motive had been to harm the United States and help its enemies, or if your motive had been personal material gain, were there things that you could have done with these documents um, to advance those goals that you didn't end up doing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anybody in the positions of access with the technical uh, capabilities that I had could, you know, suck out secrets, pass them on the open market to Russia. You know, they always have an open door, as we do. Um, I had access to, you know, the, the full rosters of everyone working at the NSA, the entire intelligence community, uh, and undercover assets all around the world, uh, the locations of every station uh, we have, what their missions are, and so forth. Uh, if I had just wanted to harm the U.S., you know, that you could shut down the, the surveillance system in an afternoon. Um, but that's not my intention. And I, I think for anyone um, making that argument, they need to think, if they were in my position, uh, and, and you know, you live a privileged life, you, you're living in Hawaii in, in paradise and making a ton of money, what would it take to make you leave everything behind? The, the greatest fear that I have regarding um, the outcome uh, 
for America of these disclosures is that nothing will change. Um, people will see in the media uh, all of these disclosures. They'll know the lengths that the, the government is going to grant themselves powers unilaterally um, to create greater control over American society and global society. But they, they won't be willing to take the risks necessarily to stand up and fight to change things, to force their representatives to actually take a stand in their interests. Uh, and the months ahead, the, the years ahead, it's only going to get worse until eventually there will be a time where uh, policies will change. Because the only thing that restricts the activities of the surveillance state are policy. Uh, even our agreements with, with other sovereign governments, we consider that to be uh, a stipulation of policy rather than a stipulation of law. And because of that, a new leader will be elected. They'll flip the switch, uh, say that um, because of the crisis, because of the dangers that we face in the world, you know, some, some new and unpredicted threat, we need more authority. We need more power. And there will be nothing the people can do at that point to oppose it. Uh, and it will be turnkey tyranny. Now, before I continue reading the article, this audio is from, I believe it's 2013. Let me double check. Do -do. Yes. From Tuesday, 11th, June 2013. Now, I just, the reason I'm saying this is, A, Snowden is no longer in Hong Kong. Hong Kong has fallen to the Chinese government since then. You will be killed in Hong Kong if you say the wrong thing. Second, China is openly our fucking enemy now. And Snowden, what is Tiananmen Square? Again, the reason I'm using nearly 10-year-old sources on this is because since then, the media's gone back and forth. This Snowden's the great hero of America, defending freedom and saving us from a corrupt government, to... Edward Snowden, backstabbing, bloodthirsty traitor, on the run from the American government. They ping-pong between painting him as a hero and a villain constantly. So I went right back to 2013, pulled up the articles from when the shit was fresh happening, and going from there. So, that's why I'm jumping in here with a little information. The last two articles I've read, the Lovent one, the Snowden one... And what I'm about to read now are all from 2013 to 2014. Again, I just feel like this is the best time period because this is when Snowden was a new name on the world scale. He had just come out, and media unilaterally was like, wow, fuck the U.S. government. Alright, now back to the article. Glenn Greenwald, Ewan MacAskill, and Laura Portress. In Hong Kong. This article again is from The Guardian, published Tuesday, the 11th of June 2013, at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. This article is officially eight years old at this point. The individual, 
the article begins. The individual responsible for one of the most significant leaks in U.S. political history is Edward Snowden, a 29-year-old former technical assistant for the CIA and current employee of the defense contractor Bose Allen Hamilton. Snowden has been working for the National Security Agency, the NSA, for the last four years as an employee of various outside contractors, including Bose Allen and Dell. The Guardian, after several days of interviews, interviews, is revealing his identity at his request. From the moment he decided to disclose numerous top-secret documents to the public, he was determined not to opt for the protection of anonymity. Quote, I have no intentions of hiding who I am because I know... I have done nothing wrong, he said. Snowden will go down history as one of America's most consequential whistleblowers, alongside Daniel Ellsberg and Bradley Manning. He is responsible for handing over material from one of the world's most secretive organizations, the NSA. In a note accompanying, accompanying the first set of documents he provided, he wrote, Quote, I understand that I will be made to suffer for my actions, but I will be satisfied if the Federation of Secret Law, unequal pardon, and irresponsible executive powers that rule the world I love are revealed for even an instant. End quote. Despite his determination to be publicly unveiled, he reportedly insisted that he wants to avoid the media spotlight. Quote, I don't want public attention because I don't want the story to be about me. I want it to be about the U.S. government and what they're doing. End quote. He does not fear the consequences of going public, he said. Only that doing so will distract attention from the issues raised by his disclosure. Quote, I know the media likes to personalize political debates and I know the government will demonize me." End quote. Despite these fears, he remained hopeful his outing will not divert the attention from the substance of his disclosures. Quote, I really want the focus to be on these documents, and the debate which I hope this will trigger among citizens around the globe about what kind of world we want to live in. He added, quote, My sole motive is to inform the public as to what as to that which is done in their name and that which is done against them he said he has had quote a very comfortable life that included a salary of roughly 200,000 a girlfriend with whom he shared a home in Hawaii with a stable career and a family he loves I am willing to sacrifice all of that because I can't in good conscience allow the U.S. government to destroy the privacy, internet freedoms, and basic liberty for people around the world with this massive surveillance machine they've secretly been building. End quote. I am not afraid because this is the choice I've made. Three weeks ago, Snowden made final preparations that resulted in last week's series of blockbuster news stories. At the NSA office in Hawaii, where he was working, he copied the last set of documents he intended to disclose. He then advised his NSA supervisor that he needed to be away from work for, quote, a couple of weeks in order to receive treatment for his epilepsy.
a condition he learned he suffers from after a series of seizures last year. As he packed his bags, he told his girlfriend that he had to be away for a few weeks, though he said he was very vague about the reasons. Quote, this is not an uncommon occurrence for someone who has spent the last decade working in the intelligence world. On May 20th of 2013, he boarded a flight to Hong Kong, where he has remained ever since. He chose the city because, quote, they have a spirited commitment to free speech and the right of political dissidents, and because he believes that it was one of the few places in the world that both could and would resist the dictates of the U.S. government. In the three weeks since he's arrived, he has been ensconded in a hotel room. Quote, I've left the room maybe a total of three times during my entire stay. He said, this is a flush hotel room. What with eating meals in his room, too, he has run up big bills. He's deeply worried about being spied on. He lines, his, he lines the door of his hotel room with pillows to prevent eavesdropping. He puts a large red hood over his head and over his laptop when entering his passwords to prevent any hidden cameras from detecting them. Though that may sound like paranoia to some, Snowden has good reasons for such fears. He worked in the U.S. intelligence world for almost a decade. He knows that the biggest and most secretive surveillance organizations in America, the NSA along with the most powerful government on the planet, is currently looking for him. Since the disclosures began to emerge, he has watched television and monitored the internet, hearing all the threats and vows of prosecution emanating from Washington. And he knows only too well the sophisticated technology available to them and how easy it will be for them to find him. The NSA police and other law enforcement officers have twice visited his home in Hawaii, and have already contacted his girlfriend, though he believes that may have been prompted by his absence from work, and not because of any suspicions of connections to the leaks. Quote, all my options are bad, he said. The U.S. government could begin extradition proceedings against him, a potentially problematic, lengthy, or unpredictable course for Washington or the Chinese government might whisk him away for questioning, viewing him as a useful source of information. Just want to say, remember how he said that China wasn't our enemy? But that's one of his fears? It's just something I noticed. Just something that stands out to me a little bit. Anyway, back to the article. Viewing him as a useful source of information, or he might end up being grabbed and bundled into a plane bound for U.S. territory. Quote, Yes, I could be rendered by the CIA. I could have people come after me or any third-party partners. They work closely with a number of other nations, or they could just pay off the triads, any of their agents or assets, he said. Quote, We got a CIA station just up the road. The consulate here in Hong Kong and I am sure they are going to be busy for the next week. And that is a concern I will live with for the rest of my life, however long that happens to be, end quote. Having watched the Obama administration prosecute whistleblowers at a historically unprecedented rate, 
he fully expects the U.S. government to attempt to use all of its weight to punish him. Quote, I am not afraid, he said calmly, because I have made this choice. Now, to deviate from the article here, the reason you saw such unprecedented whistleblowers coming forward from numerous government agencies and government affiliates is because the Obama administration is probably one of the most fucking corrupt things we've seen since the LBJ and Clinton era. And for those of you who thought LBJ was a clean, squeaky president, he was a fucking Southern Democrat, you dumbass. Him and Jumbo got into all sorts of dirty business. He predicts, back to the article, he predicts the government will launch an investigation and, quote, say I have broken the Espionage Act and helped our enemies, but that can be used against anyone who points out how massive and invasive the system has become, end quote. The only time he became emotional during the many hours of interviews was when he pondered the impact his choice would have on his family, many of whom worked for the U.S. government. Quote, The only thing I fear is the harmful effects on my family, who I won't be able to help anymore. That's what keeps me up at night, he said, his eyes welling up with tears. You can't wait around for someone else to act. Snowden did not always believe the U.S. government posed a threat to his political values. He was brought up originally in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. His family moved later to Maryland near the NSA headquarters of Fort Maid. By his own admission, he was not a stellar student. In order to get the credits necessary to obtain a high school diploma, he attended community college in Maryland, studying computing, but never completed the coursework. He later obtained his GED. In 2003, he enlisted in the U.S. Army and began, tra began a training program to join the Special Forces, invoking the same principles that he now cites to justify his leaks, he said. Quote, I wanted to fight in the Iraqi war because I felt like I had an obligation as a human being to help free people from oppression, end quote. He recounted his beliefs about the war's purpose were quickly dispelled. Quote, Most of the people training us seemed pumped up about killing Arabs. Not helping anyone, he said. He broke both his legs in training in a train accident and was discharged. After that, he got his first job in the NSA facility, working as a security guard for one of the agency's covert facilities at the University of Maryland. From there, he went to the CIA, where he worked on IT security. His understanding of the Internet and his talents for, computing, for computer programming enabled him to rise fairly quickly for someone who lacked even a high school diploma. By 2007, the CIA stationed him with a diplomatic cover in Geneva, Switzerland. His responsibilities for maintaining computer network security meant he had clearance to access a wide array of classified documents. That access, along with almost three years he spent around the CIA offices, led him to begin seriously questioning the righteousness of what he saw. He described as formative an incident 
in which he claimed the CIA operatives were attempting to recruit a Swiss banker to obtain secret banking information. Snowden said they achieved this by purposely getting the banker drunk and encouraging him to drive home in his car. When the banker was arrested for drunk driving, the undercover agent seeking to befriend him offered to help. And a bond was formed that led to a successful recruitment. Quote, much of what I saw in Geneva really disillusioned me about how my government functions and what its impact is on the world, he said. Quote, I realized that, that I was part of something that was going to do far more harm than good. He said it was during his CIA stint in Geneva that he thought for the first time about exposing the government's secrets, but at that time he chose not to for two reasons. First, he said, quote, most of the secrets the CIA has are about people, not machines and systems. So I didn't feel comfortable with disclosure that I thought could endanger anyone. Secondly, the election of Barack Obama in 2008 gave him hope. <laughs> oh, that's ironic. Uh, secondly, the election of Barack Obama in 2008 gave his goofy-ass hope that there would be a real reform rendering disclosures unnecessary. Yeah, how did that fucking work out? How did that fucking go? Did that work out for you, buddy? Did, did that play out the way you hoped? I know I'm being really dickish to Snowden right now, but Jesus, this motherfucker really thought Barack Obama was going to be the saving grace he needed. What a goofy fucking thought. Then again... Well, then again, fucking what? I worked for the McCain campaign, and then I worked for the Romney campaign. I got played with the Romney one. He left the CIA in 2009 in order to take his first job working for a private contractor that assigned him to a functioning NSA facility stationed on a military base in Japan. It was then, he said, that he was, quote, watching as Obama advanced the very policies that he thought would be reined in as a result I got hardened. Let me just say right here, diverting from the article once more, I am absolutely shocked and appalled Obama did not rein in national spying efforts left over from the Bush's failed policy of the Patriot Act. Hmm. Sorry, Snowden, the writing was kind of on the wall with that one. Back to the article. The primary lesson from this experience was that, quote, you can't wait around for someone else to act. I had been looking for leaders, but I realized that leadership is about being the first to act. End quote. Over the next three years, he learned just how all-consuming the NSA surveillance activities were, claiming, quote, They are intent on making every conversation and every form of behavior in the world known to them. He described how he once viewed the internet as, quote, the most important invention in all of human history. As an adolescent, he spent days at a time, quote, speaking to people with all sorts of views I would never have encountered on my own, end quote. But he believed that the value of the internet, along with basic privacy, is being rapidly destroyed by ubiquitous surveillances. Quote, I don't see myself as a hero, he said, quote, because I'm doing, because what I'm doing is self-interested.
I don't want to live in a world where there's no privacy and therefore no room for intellectual exploration and growth. Once he reached the conclusion that the NSA surveillance net would soon be irrevocable, he said it was just a matter of time before he chose to act. Quote, what they're doing <clears throat> poses an existential threat to democracy, he said. A matter of principle. As strong as those beliefs are, there still remains the question, why did he do it? Giving up his freedom and privileged lifestyle. Quote, there are more important things than money. If I were motivated by money, I could have sold these documents to any number of countries and gotten very rich. Quote, end quote. For him, it was a matter of principle. Quote, the government has granted itself powers it is not entitled to. There is no public oversight. The result is people like myself have the latitude to go further than they are allowed to, he said. His allegiance to the Internet's freedom is reflected in the sticker on his laptop, quote, I support online rights. Electronic Frontier Foundation, reads one. Another hails the online organization offering anonymity, the Tor Project. Asked by reporters to establish his authenticity to ensure that he is not some Fantastic. fantastic. He laid bare, without hesitation, his personal details, from his social security number to his CIA ID, and his expired diplomatic passport. There is no shiftiness. Uh, 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 there is no shiftiness. Ask him about anything in his personal life, and he will answer. He is quiet, smart, easygoing, and self-effacing. A master on computers, he seemed happiest when talking about the technical side of surveillance, at a level of detail comprehensible probably only to fellow communication specialists. But he showed intense passion when talking about the value of privacy and how he felt it was being steadily eroded by the behavior of the intelligence services. His manner was calm and relaxed, but he has been understandably twitchy since he went on since he went into hiding, waiting for the knock on the hotel door, a fire alarm that goes off. Quote, that has not happened before, he said, betraying anxiety, wondering if it was real, a test or a CIA ploy to get him out onto the street. Strewn about the side of his bed are suitcases, a plate, a plate with the remains of room service breakfast, and a copy of Angler, the biography of former Vice President Dick Cheney. Ever since last week's stories be began to appear in The Guardian, Snowden has vigilantly watched TV and read the Internet, to see the effects of his choices. He seemed satisfied that the debate he longed to provoke was finally taking place. He lay propped up against a pillow, watching CNN's Wolf Blitzer ask a discussion panel about government 
<sighs> Intrusion, if they had any idea who the leaker was from 8,000 miles away. The leaker looked on impassively, not even indulging in a wirely smile. Snowden said that he admires both Ellisberg and Manning, but argues that there is one important distinction between himself and the army private, whose trial coincidentally began the week Snowden's leaks began to make the news. Quote, I carefully evaluate every single document I disclose to ensure that each document was legitimately in the public's interest. He said, quote, there, is all, there are all sorts of documents that would have made a big impact that I didn't turn over because harming people isn't my goal. Transparency is. He purposely chose, he said, to give the documents to journalists whose judgment he trusted about <clears throat> what should be public and what should remain concealed. As for his future, he is vague. He hoped the publicity the leaks have gathered, have generated, will offer him some protection, making it, quote, harder for them to get dirty. He views his best hope as the possibility of asylum with Iceland, with its reputation of champion of internet freedom. At the top of his list, he knows that may prove a wish unfulfilled. But after the intense political controversy he has already created with just the first week's haul of stories, quote, I feel satisfied that it was all worth it. I have no regrets. Now that was a very long article to read. And I screwed up multiple times and had to reread paragraphs. Ugh. Man. But are you trying to get the fucking picture right now? I have one more article to read, but you get it, right? The NSA's full of shit. If all this reading hasn't convinced you of that yet, I don't know what to tell you. I hope you enjoy being spied on. That being said, let's take another word from our sponsor. Roll that footage. And now, this long episode, much like an Ouroboros cycle, ends where it once began. Back on Fox News with Tucker Carlson and Glenn Greenwald. I have an article I will be reading here, but first, like before, let's play a eight-minute clip from Tucker Carlson tonight. A couple of days ago, we told you that the National Security Agency had read our emails and was effectively threatening us with them, leaking them. It's not a statement you would make lightly. No one wants to go on TV and say, the government's spying on me. You sound like a lunatic, except when it's true. And in this case, it is true. And of course, it's not just this show. They're spying on a lot of people, and they should stop because it's illegal. Yesterday, we had a long conversation with officials at the National Security Agency. We got a statement out of them, and they effectively conceded, yes, they read our emails. They have some justification for it, but it's not justified. It never is, except in cases when national security is threatened, and nothing that we did would ever threaten national security, period. Liberals used to understand that. They were very worried about this program. Back in 2006, Joe Biden himself said he was worried about the NSA spying on American citizens. 
I don't have to listen to your phone calls and know what you're doing. If I know every single phone call you made, I'm able to determine every single person you talk to. I can get a pattern about your life that is very, very intrusive. And the real question here is, what do they do with this information that they collect that does not have anything to do with al-Qaeda? And we're going to trust the president and the vice president of the United States that they're doing the right thing. Don't count me in on that. So now Joe Biden is in charge of the national security apparatus, and his administration has turned it on Americans who he has redefined as combatants, domestic terrorists, white supremacists. Where does this go from here? We think we know, and we're deeply concerned about it. We know the NSA is collecting data from American citizens, spying on them. They have a heart attack if you call it spying. That's exactly what it is. Let's stop using BS language. It's spying. In a House Judiciary Committee meeting today, a senior Microsoft executive said that most Americans would be stunned if they knew how often the federal government used secret orders to collect information on them. While the recent news about secrecy, secret investigations is shocking, most shocking is just how routine secrecy orders have become when law enforcement targets an American's email, text messages, or other sensitive data stored in the cloud. Throughout the Obama, Trump, and Biden administrations, up to a third of all legal demands we receive from federal law enforcement include secrecy orders, up to 3,500 in just one year. And these are just the demands on Microsoft. Add the demands likely served on Facebook, Apple, Google, Twitter, and others, and you get a frightening sense of the mountain of secrecy orders used by federal law, law enforcement in recent years. So what we need is an investigation into what exactly is going on. We have the largest bureaucracy in the history of mankind. There's never been a human organization larger than the American federal government. And so we need to know what the important parts of it, the parts with a lot of power, are doing in our name. We need an investigation. And today, at that hearing, at least one Republican member of Congress, Matt Gates of Florida, called for that. The most watched cable news host has been stating for the last several nights that the NSA has been monitoring his communications. And amazingly, the NSA has issued a statement that is so couched, it is functionally an admission. And it's not like the NSA's never lied to us. I mean, we were told that there was no bulk collection of Americans' data. Turns out there was bulk collection of Americans' data. We cannot count on these people to police themselves. Join me in calling for an inspector general investigation into any monitoring that the NSA or any other element of the intelligence community has engaged in relative to Tucker Carlson. Because these denials, these couch denials, raise more questions than they provide answers. They gather the information and they threaten you with it. Information is power. The more they have, the more power they have over you. And if they don't like your politics, it's a problem. So we do need an investigation. And tonight, the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy of California, has called for that, an investigation by the House Intelligence Committee. We'll see what happens. Glenn Greenwald, meanwhile, is one of the people who is responsible for what we know about what the NSA does. He broke the original story of the NSA's mass surveillance under the Obama administration. He writes now for Substack. We highly recommend it. He joins us tonight. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on. So your position on this has remained consistent for more than a decade. American citizens, unless they pose some obvious national security threat, imminent national security threat, shouldn't be targeted by their own government for spying. 
Why is that not the position of everyone in journalism? That's a really good question. You know, it's interesting when I did the reporting with uh, Edward Snowden in 2013 and 2014, liberals loved that reporting so much that they gave us every award that they have to offer, the Pulitzer, the Polk, the film that was done about uh, my, my, my work with Edward Snowden was given an Oscar. I went up on the Oscar stage. They couldn't lavish enough prizes and praise on us. And now here we are after the Trump years, and we know that the Democratic Party and journalism in general has aligned with the CIA, the NSA, and the FBI, and has aligned and merged with the security state. And so in response to the report that you did, you would think other journalists, just out of self-interest, even if they dislike your ideology and you, would say, we want to know whether the NSA say is abusing their powers in order to spy on journalists they dislike and instead they mocked it they said that oh he has to be paranoid in order to think this and they took the nsa statement that i have seen over and over tucker over the last eight years that is designed to mislead the public they use their carefully constructed words to say tucker carlson is not an intelligence target of the nsa which may be true but what that leaves out is that there are so many other ways that they have to spy on the communications of American citizens without making you a target, without getting a warrant. They have huge authorities that really haven't been reined in since 2013 and 2014. I'm glad to hear Kevin McCarthy, other GOP leaders calling for an investigation. But the reality is that in bipartisan Washington, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have been joining with the likes of Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell to expand the NSA, to kill any attempts to reform it. So these are kind of empty words. I totally agree with that. Mitch McConnell's 100% on board with what they do. I got a number of calls and texts, say one from Politico, asking me, well, who are you emailing? I mean, I think uh, clearly you would never claim your emails are being read by the government unless you could prove it. Again, you sound like a crazy person. We can prove it. It happened. But now the line is, well, you must have been emailing the wrong people. I was under the impression as a journalist and an American citizen, I have the right to email anybody I want. Is that not the standard any longer? Tucker, ponder the authoritarianism needed yeah. for them to say that. Think about the premise there. They're saying that if you talk to somebody that the NSA has decided should be spied upon, it means that that person, even though they've been charged with no crime and convicted of nothing, is up to no good. They're like a terrorist or a threat, and you yourself are also. The whole point of the reporting that we did is that the NSA spies on millions and millions of people indiscriminately. If you're a journalist, it's almost impossible not to talk to a target of the NSA. They target everybody constantly all the time. That's why they're this huge sprawling agency. But the, the authoritarianism that is pervading journalism says if you're talking to somebody the NSA doesn't like, you're a bad person. It's, and we're not, we're not going to put up with it uh, at all. Once they have the information, then they threaten and control you. And that's what they were trying to do to us. Glenn Greenwald, I appreciate it and your reporting, which we have new appreciation for. Thank you. And now, into the story. Published June 30th of this year. Tucker joins calls for probe into NSA spying on him, says Biden's redefining dissidents as extremists. Fox News host Tucker Carlson joined the calls from at least two Republican lawmakers for a full investigation into the National Security Agency, the NSA, allegedly spying on his text and emails. After the agency rebuffed claims that he is the target, quotes, of surveillance investigation. Carlson 
reiterated Wednesday on Tucker Carlson Tonight that he does not make the claims lightly, and that the NSA statements on eh, on Tuesday does not directly deny any spying has or is taking place, only that he is not, quote, the target. Investigative journalist Glenn Greenwald, who, to, take, to divert the article, as we've just established, Glenn Greenwald is very, very familiar with the NSA. He was there when he broke the Snowden story. He was very loved, very accredited, and very, very up on a fucking pedestal by these same media outlets that now condemn him because he's speaking out against the NSA. It really speaks to the dynamic, doesn't it? Though it is kind of confusing, right? 20, by the end of Obama's presidency, 2013, like right around when he just got reelected, and his approval rating was just sinking through the floor, the story broke. And everyone was like, wow, Glenn Greenwald, what a brave journalist. And now, with the current media landscape being what it is, wow, what a lunatic. What a funny. What a silly. Keep that in mind, right? People who were formerly the heroes of these media outlets are now the villains. There's been a paradigm shift, hasn't there? Now, back into the article. I'll just restart this paragraph. Carlson reiterated Wednesday on Tucker Carlson Tonight that he does not make any of these claims lightly and that the NSA statement on Tuesday does not directly deny any spying that has or is taking place, only that he is not the, quote, target. Investigative journalist Glenn Greenwald <coughs> Sorry about that. Concurred. Insofar as the NSA has a multitude, <coughs> multitude of other ways to capture American citizens, data without them being the formal target of an investigation. The NSA headquarters at Fort Made, Maryland, put out a statement Tuesday saying its mission is based on foreign intelligence, that it only surveils citizens in, quote, emergency situations requiring a court order. Quote, Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency, and the NSA has never had any plans to try and take his program off the air, the statement reads. Carlson reported on Monday that a whistleblower with knowledge or a connection to the NSA shared information with him that would have only been recognizable to the host and an unidentified individual he has been corresponding with about a pressing story that Tucker Carlson tonight is working on. He elaborated that his team also tried to repeatedly get a hold of General Paul Nexum, the Trump-appointed head of the agency. On Wednesday's program, Carlson praised Reps Matt Gates, a Republican from Florida, and Kevin McCarthy, the rare version of Republican from California. Uh, you can use your discretion to figure out what part of that I added, I can safely assume. Following their calls for an investigation into the potential that the NSA is or was in possession of data from his texts and or email messages. In a hearing chaired by Rep. Gerald Nadler, a Democrat from New York. Let me just remind you, Nadler is the guy that said Antifa doesn't exist. That's all a myth on Capitol Hill. So what the fuck does Nadler know? Back to the article. 
Gates called on the chairman to join him in calling for calling for or establishing a special counsel investigation into reported NSA spying efforts involving Carlson. Quote, Amazingly, the NSA has issued a statement that is so couched it is functionally an admission. And it's not like the NSA has never lied to us, as I just covered, of course, by the article. We were told that there was no connection, or no collection of American data. Turns out there were collections of Americans' data, Gates said, referring to a comment made by Obama's director of the National Intelligence, Jim Clapper. During his show, Carlson added that the NSA, quote, are spying on a lot of people. It should stop, end quote, adding that President Biden himself once lamented the far-reaching authority of the national security state to spy on American citizens when he was just a senator. Quote, I don't have to listen to your phone calls. By the way, this is a quote from Joseph Biden. Quote, I don't have to listen to your phone calls to know what you are doing. If I know every single phone call you made, I am able to determine every single person you talk to. I can get a pattern about your life that is very, very intrusive, Biden told CBS News in 2006. Biden said at the time he would explicitly not trust, quote, the president and the vice president were doing the right thing, referring to Republican George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. I wouldn't trust those two either, but also wouldn't trust Obama Biden either. Quote, it never is justified, except in cases when national security is threatened. Liberals used to understand that, Carlson said in characterizing Biden, then, then moderate view on the issue. However, Carlson compared that to today's reality when the 78-year-old ultimately controls the national security state as president, and appeared to key into an announcement into an announced plan by Attorney General Merrick Garland to eradicate what the administration defines as, quote, domestic extremists, which many believe to include Donald Trump's supporters and aligned political factions. Now, to divert from the article here, where's that unity, Biden? You're talking about uniting people, coming in, getting people to hold hands, sing kumbaya, and be friends again. This isn't doing that. This is driving a wedge even further between us. But I have a sneaking suspicion that someone in the government running the show, pulling the strings, really wants a divorce, but probably not a peaceful one. There's a lot more money to be made in war, and if America goes to war with itself, while China goes to war with the world, oops, big oops, big oof. The yikes from me, chief. Now into the article again. Quote, Joe Biden is in charge of the national security apparatus, and his administration has it turned on Americans, who he has re redefined as combatants, domestic terrorists, and white supremacists. Where does this go from here, Carlson said? Quote, we think we know, and we are deeply concerned. Glenn Greenwald, who reported on the Edward Snowden saga in 2013, when the now exile in Russia leaked sensitive NSA documents relating to its spying efforts, said that, quote, liberals loved that reporting so much they gave us every award they had to offer. So, diverting from the article again, I think I caught a typo in this article. I'm not entirely sure. 
So I will read this, and you let me know. Quote, Now here we are, after the Trump years, and the Democratic Party and journalism in general have aligned with the CIA and NSA and FBI. And so in response to the report you did, they would think other journalists, just out of self-interest even, if they dislike ideology, and you, would say we want to know using the powers in order to spy on journalists they dislike, said Greenwald. Quote, Instead, they mock it. Oh, Carlson has to be so paranoid about this. Now, I'm going to read it to you how it's actually written. Okay? That, that, that's me fixing what I thought was the typo. And I'm going to read it to you with what I think is the typo. Quote, Now here we are for the Trump years, and this Democratic Party and journalism in general has aligned with the CIA, NSA, and FBI. And in response to the resort you did, they would think other journalists out of self-interest, even if they dislike ideology, and you would say we want to know using your powers in order to spy on journalists they dislike, said Greenwald. Quote, Instead, they mock it. Oh, Carlson has to be paranoid to think this. So, I'm not like the most... Like, like I assume that was a typo. Resort doesn't seem like the right word to be using there. But anyway, that's the end of this article. And with the end of that article, of course, brings the end of this episode of Inside Four Walls. We have talked about a lot, haven't we? The NSA is not your friend. The American government is not your friend, even if you are an American. They will spy on you and lie to your face about spying on you. They will use clever wordspeak and jargon and legal babble to get around and fuck with your feeble brain and make you think, oh yeah, I'm the government and I'm here to help. Not, I'm the government and I'm here to help in my own self-interest. And that means destroying you and the society we have constructed for you? So fucking be it. From Lovent to Snowden to Carlson and the NSA basically committing, uh, basically confirming that they are spying on people to where we are now. I hope this has been enlightening to you and for my international audience, I hope you start questioning your government as well. Because I guarantee you, this is not only an American thing. But with that being said, here from the studios of Inside Four Walls, powered by Sin Media, I'm your host, James Madison, signing off, and I hope to see you on the other side of the Great Divide. Peace out.